Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined, as always, by co-host Ryan Donnelly. We're here to break down an, an action-packed week six of college football. Um, I think another pretty good week. Ryan, how's it going, man? It's good, man. Yeah, another great week for sure. Uh, it's been, and we had eight unbeaten teams go down over the weekend. Uh, I mean, just been a, just been a great the season. Just feels like it keeps getting better a little bit. Uh, we, we were just talking about before we started the podcast, but um, not all of these upsets are hitting. We're getting kind of quite a few top teams that are getting in danger, but not actually losing. Yeah. Uh, but man, despite that, we're still having just great games, great upsets, like great finishes week after week. It feels like it's been one of the most consistently good college slates through six weeks I can remember. Yeah, and not to talk about week seven, but week seven I looked at a little bit yesterday, also good. It's going to be, I think it's going to be good pretty consistently this year, Um, which is fun. It it does feel like kind of a, I don't know if send-off party would be the right word, but it does feel like kind of a last hurrah for this current alignment of college football before everything gets very strange. Um, And we're seeing a lot of the, like, the things that are going to be changing are the things that are the most fun this year, like the Pac-12 being as strong as it is. Um, you know, like things like that. It's just uh, kind of a bummer, kind of a thing in the back of my head of like, wow, it's going to be really shitty when we don't get to watch these Pac-12 games anymore. <laughs> when it's, you know, um, instead of playing USC, Arizona's playing West Virginia and things like that. But uh, not going to let that bother me. <laughs> not going to let that, uh, not going to let that thought get through. Just going to enjoy what we're seeing right now for as long as we can. And then uh, wallow all off season. That's my big plan. I'm gonna right. I'm gonna do and, a lot of wallowing. Famously, we're guys who we're guys who always live in the moment. We're so good at that. We uh, uh-huh. that's 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 our thing, baby. We're just two chill guys who have a positive outlook on things. And yeah, um, <laughs> just what just is, vibe it. What is the guy? What is the quote from the guy who's in the club and he's talking about you know there's there's lots of bad things outside of the club, but in the, in the club they're good. Um, I have no idea what the actual. Yeah, there's is. there's uh there's much pain in the world, but not yeah. tonight in this club. That's right. That's uh, that's yeah. sort of where we are right now. There's much pain in this world, which but also, not by the way, just just a completely fake quote. Oh. Uh, but but whoever oh. made that original video, masterclass. Just sure. I mean, it's believable, very believable based on the guy's vibes. For sure, for sure. It's, we, we love it's a, a thing you would expect an Eastern European guy on Mali to say to you. I would bet that they have that one of them has said it before. I think that there's a there's there's that's <laughs> that's the key to misinformation is that there's a kernel of truth in there. I would bet that at yeah. least one Eastern European guy on Mali has said that before, or at least has expressed it's that. It's a sort, yeah. It's a Hassan Minaj emotional truth. Yeah, exactly. Um, we love an emotional truth, and <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go through some emotional truths here with quick hitters. But before we do that, uh, we should probably tell you real quick about uh, MediaMidfield.com. That's our website. That's the place where you can get access if you subscribe to uh, the premium podcast. We do one of those a week for this show. You do one as well for High Street Freaks that you do with Kevin. Um, you get the premium posts. There are lots of those every week. We have gone through what those are. Uh, go over to the website. You'll see what they are. There's good stuff there. And then, of course, the message board. Um, I was uh, I was down on a football field on, on Saturday night, and so I was not uh, actively, unlike last week, I was not actively posting on the, the evening game thread. But um, when I got home, I went and looked at it, and Ryan, it had like 600 replies. Something crazy happened in there. Something went really, really nuts in the evening, in the evening uh, game thread, and that is just that the the board is liable to do that. Do that. The board goes nuts. 
Um, it's really, really fun to watch games along with it, to use it as kind of a second screen, um, especially as the, the app that a lot of people, I think, myself included, used to use for that continues to get worse and worse in, in Twitter. It's sort of a fun, it's a fun replacement. And guess what? You don't have to sign up for fucking Blue Sky. You don't have to have a code to sign up. You just go to the website and you give us your credit card information and then you can post and that's it. Yeah. It's a, it's an the easy... Code? The code is called love and... Brotherhood. Yeah, it's an easy transaction. Um, and right now, you can actually... You're also pay us money. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah you can, uh, <laughs> right now, you can actually go over there, and I will link again to the landing page in the, uh, in the description of this episode. Um, you can do that for $6, uh, which is a deal that's going to carry through. You've missed the first week of it, but it's the celebration of the 49 consecutive days of football, um, and that continues to go until the end of that, that, uh, you know, that stretch of games. And you can uh, you can go check that out. You can go check that out for six dollars. It's a that's a a deal. <laughs> that is a that's a pretty significant dif- discount. It's a good way to get a trial to see if you like it. I think you probably will. Go on over to midfield.com and check it out. Um, Ryan, you want to tell them about Home Field Apparel real quick? Oh yeah, let's do it. Uh, Home Field Apparel is the internet's top purveyor of uh, vintage collegiate apparel. Um, just fantastic uh, college football gear across the board. Uh, uh, new drops coming every week. There is a big drop coming up that we can't we can't yeah. say exactly what it is yet, but we're very excited about it. Or at least I am. Yeah. Uh, um, we're we're making plans to homefield guys to put you in the gear of every team that you hate, mm-hmm. um, which I think should be fun. Uh, we're gonna get you. We're gonna get you decked out, and you know, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, a BYU hat, a Boise State shirt. Uh, we're putting you in USC joggers, all yeah. that sort of stuff. But but I mean, there are such a great variety of teams uh, that Patrick hates. You can buy gear from. Um, so if you want to get Patrick really pissed off, uh, use the code meet at midfield to get 15% off a home field order yeah. and just only buy for a bunch of teams that he hates. That's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm already, I'm already seething. Just thinking about this. I'm, I'm furious imagining somebody going over there and using the code meet at midfield for 15% off their purchase of like, yeah, a USC t-shirt, um, an Ohio state, you know, sweatshirt, uh, a, uh, you know, all of, all of the various, uh, odious members of the sport who I don't like, uh, you can go on over there and support them and you can really slam one down on me by using the code meet at midfield, uh, for 15% off that first purchase. Ryan, you want to do some quick hitters here real quick? Yeah. Let's rip through these. Yeah. Uh, which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's go first on Friday night to Stillwater, Kansas state loses to Oklahoma state 29 to 21. Um, just, it was a pants shooting, right? This was a pants shooting from Will Howard specifically. He played extremely poorly in Kansas state, uh, loses a bad one. This is a really, really shitty loss for those guys. Yeah. He made us look bad and I don't appreciate that. No, um, we don't take well, you threw that. three picks. You know, you completed less than half your passes. You let the team down. Um, fuck you, dude. Just mm-hmm. fuck you. Um, and honestly, I, I Kansas state lost this one in the first half, right? I mean, they just were completely asleep coming out yeah. for this game. Um, they had chances late here. At all. They had chances late here too, and and just could not, could not get down the field against a defense that I don't think is very good. Just a disappointing showing from those guys. Um, yeah, and they also couldn't really get off the field much in no. the. Uh, uh, I mean, in the first half, they they did not score. I mean, they scored like uh, what seventeen minutes of the game was their first score. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they let just... let Oklahoma State go on two long drives and yeah. had a punt interception punt for themselves before that. Yeah. yeah, just sleepy, too sleepy. Can't be doing that. Uh, Michigan fifty-two, Minnesota ten. I think Michigan has done what we wanted to see it do. <laughs> I think it is safe to say yeah. that Michigan has has. Uh, imposed itself well, well, a little bit more here i'm going to rephrase that 
not what I wanted to see them do, but what I was taunting them for not being able to. Do. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, they have done that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks good, right? Like, I, I think that the offensive line, they kind of figured out their rotation finally. Um, the offense was clicking. Uh, yeah, it was pretty easy. I mean, they scored two defensive touchdowns in this game, which also helps the uh, helps the old stat line there. Uh, but yeah, they look solid. Uh, Minnesota is really bad, and and Ethan Calikmanis is is one of the worst quarterbacks we've he's going ever through seen. it. Yeah, he uh, he's going through it a little bit right now. <laughs> he's having a rough yeah. go of it. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, Michigan's defensive front is very good, and, and the secondary. I'm going to couch this a bit because I think every secondary has looked good playing against Calikmanis, but Michigan's uh, defensive secondary did have its best day of the year so far. Yeah, uh, Will Johnson had that big pick. Um, yeah, I'm a really good day for Michigan. They completely rolled and, and, yeah. and beat the hell out of a, a bad Minnesota team. Um, curious to see what comes from Minnesota the rest of the season, which I'm, I'm sure we get into not much uh, more in the future. <laughs> but yeah, I think the answer is not much. I wonder if they might not win a game the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah. They'll, I mean, the the Big Ten is such that you probably can get one or two, um, just by virtue of everybody is kind of, everybody outside of the very top of the conference is kind of shaky and can be beaten, but. They don't look good. They don't look good. They don't have a whole lot going for them right now. Michigan, I think, taking the the steps that that, that needs to take as it continues to uh, to gear up for playing some actual football games at the very end of the season after three months of warmups. Um, next up here, Drake May plays very very well in a forty to seven route of Syracuse for North Carolina. Not a ton to say about this. Syracuse, like we said, coming into the game is very dinged up and just was not really. Was not really in it ever here. Um, good win for North Carolina. North Carolina still has not lost. That will be put to the test here these next couple weeks. But um, they're they're doing what they should be doing. They're winning the games that they're supposed to win, which is something that they have done pretty well. I'll give them credit for that. We don't like this program. We don't really believe in these guys as national contenders. But they they very they very rarely uh, falter against teams that they should beat. It's it's more you know, 50-50 games that they just don't have the, the juice for, but they get the job done here again. Um, any thoughts on this one? Uh, no, I mean, just just that, I mean, how dominant May was. I mean, 499 yards of offense and four touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, he is completing 72% of his passes uh, through five games, and, and I think is going for, it's what, 9.1 yards an attempt. Um, the interceptions earlier in the season were a bit problematic. He had a couple each against uh, against Minnesota and South Carolina, but he was pretty much flawless uh, this game. And uh, just really impressive day from him. He's he's starting to pick up some steam for sure. And yeah, had some. I mean, we we know who this guy is as a prospect, and he looked like it. Yeah. Um, good day for him. And I mean, given what we've seen from the rest of the ACC, uh, pretty wide open. I mean, they get uh-huh. Miami at home next week, and. Uh, after that, it's pretty much smooth sailing until the final three of Duke, Clemson, NC State. So uh, I don't think Carolina is an active football team, but they do have a schedule that could set up for a, a solid, you know, top 20, top 15 finish. They play it right. Yeah. And they, they just don't fuck it up a ton, which is a, a pretty good way to do that. Um, staying... yeah, also, someone point us out really quickly, but there are, there are three unbeaten teams, the ACC currently with Louisville, Florida State, North Carolina, and yeah. none of them play each other all season. Great. Um <laughs> So <laughs> awesome. That's really good. Um, staying in the state here, North Carolina State 48, Marshall 41. Marshall scores late to make this a little bit closer. It had been competitive throughout the game, but NC State kind of pulls away late. Marshall just does not have that top 
gear, I don't think. I, I don't, I, I just, I've not really seen that from those guys. I thought they were competitive here, but I don't think NC State is especially good, and Marshall does not have enough to get the job done. Um, just not seeing it from those guys. Just not, not really seeing it. Good win for NC State, but I, I think this is more disappointing from Marshall than anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say that, I mean, MJ Morris made his first start of the season here. Yeah. Um, did not look great. No. I mean, he threw for four touchdowns, but he did throw three picks, including a pick six. Um, those are the kind of growing pains they should have had him making, yeah. you know, in the start of their season schedule against UConn and BMI and stuff like that. And because they they brought in Brennan Armstrong, who sucks, made the switch way too late. Um, he now, you know, next week faces a pretty nasty Duke defense in the next the next two weeks after that are, are Clemson and Miami. So great. Um, yeah. have to hope he learned a lot from this game on the film and, and gets better in the next few weeks because they're going to need him to be sharp uh, against these big opponents and would have liked to see a longer runway for him to him to get comfortable in this offense and kind of get uh, acclimated to being a, a consistent starter. Yeah, that would have been maybe something to consider for NC State. Maybe next year they'll uh, <laughs> they'll keep that in mind. It seems like they love to do this, where they just like realize halfway through the season, oh shit, we should probably be uh, developing guys and doing things uh, instead of just fucking around for the first month of the season. But uh, they're not going to learn that lesson. That's not something that Dave Doran wants to do. Ole Miss survives against Arkansas, twenty-seven to twenty. Just an ugly win, but a win all the same. Um, I I don't really have a ton to say about this one. Just, you know, good on Ole Miss, I guess, for surviving. But I'm not. I'm still really not getting it with these guys. They have done what they needed to do in, in most circumstances. I don't really trust this offense. I just don't really trust it. No, I mean, the Arkansas defense is dog shit. Yeah. Um, the Arkansas offense is also dog shit. Arkansas is kind of just dog shit. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, playing a competitive game with these guys is is not what you want to see a pretty tough year for KJ Jefferson so far. Yeah. Uh, I'm not putting a ton of that blame on him because no. I do think a lot of this just comes down to having Dan Enos call your offense. Um, but I mean, I can't say I've been overly impressed. I mean, he already has six turnovers uh, in this season through what they played five or six games. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to played, see, uh, six games. you know, the LeBron no help meme. I would like to see somebody put KJ Jefferson in that. That boy needs some help. He's got he's got not a lot of assistance there right now with Danny you know, spending most of his game week seemingly emailing angry students at Arkansas um, and the skill core not really being what it has been. Do you know how many yards Rocket Sanders has through six games? I mean, okay. he hasn't played all of them, but through six games of their schedule? Probably not very many based on the tone of your voice. <laughs> T- take a stab at it. Just give me a number. Um, Just rushing yards? Rushing yards, yeah. I'm going to go, I'll, I'll go with, uh, 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 the number should be higher than this. I'm going to go with 350. Oh, great, Patrick. It's 91 rushing yards. Oh, good. <laughs> wow. That's not going to work. That is not, uh, no. that is not sufficient. Um, speaking yeah. of not, he's gonna... only played half their games, but, but yeah, still, come, come on. on 91. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one game. That should be one game. That's one like decent game for him. Um, that yep. is, that is rough. Um, Kansas 51, UCF 22, Kansas playing without Jalen Daniels here. It does not matter even a little bit. You look at the rushing stats in this game. Um, <laughs> they're good. Devin Neal, 12 carries for 154 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Daniel hit uh, Highshaw, 19 carries, 134 yards, and two touchdowns. Dylan McDuffie, 13 carries, 91 yards, and two touchdowns. They just ran them off the field. They this was a this was an ass kicking. Uh, UCF scores late to kind of 
not necessarily even make it more respectable. I don't respect this team or this loss. No. Um, but Kansas just uh, just kicks the shit out of them. Really a uh, really a whomping here. Impressive from Kansas. Yeah, um, I, I think we talk about like some of the some of the middle eight stuff, and uh, I mean Kansas uh, went on a 21 seven run in that stretch, uh, and then you know scored twice more in the second half. Uh, pretty much just uh, I guess if you expand this out to like the middle 14 it was a 28 to 7 stretch just kind of pretty much won the game right there yeah um ucf kind of limped into the locker room and out of it and just was not very serious around that um yeah really bad day from them and and perfect timing to announce that big gus Malzahn extension that that Mm -hmm. one that one feels great for them huh (laughs) yeah you want to you're really going to want to split the difference between a disastrous uh, blown lead loss to Baylor and then a complete blowout at Kansas. You, you, that's that's the best possible time to announce uh, that you are spending more money somehow on your shitty coach. You're keeping him around even longer. That's good. That's good yeah. stuff. And um, now, uh, and now they they play two of the two of the conferences uh, top three teams uh, right. by record in their next in their next two games. Well, that's gonna go well. Um, LSU forty nine at Missouri thirty nine. LSU escapes late here. It was it was. Um, it wasn't looking great. Missouri scored to take the lead with, I think, 540 left in the fourth quarter, and then LSU scores a touchdown to take it back with about three minutes left and then gets a pick six to uh, extend that final deficit. Um, pretty good game. This was a fun game. This felt basically like, like the exact same game that LSU just played, and they uh, they come out on top this time against, I think, just a, a Missouri team that was not wasn't really fully prepared for what this sort of game requires at the end of the game. They they just kind of fell apart down the stretch, which is understandable because they haven't really been in this exact environment before. They they beat Kansas State, obviously, and they did that late. But I, Missouri yeah, just wasn't win, really... Win looks less impressive now, by the way. Yeah, Missouri just wasn't really... Just couldn't go and win the game, which is what they needed to do. And, and that's, you know, good on LSU for going and getting it done. But this was definitely a uh, kind of a... Uh, oh, yeah, Missouri is not really on that same level talent wise as the yeah. teams that they're or that well they're, coached. Yeah. Or also, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Things of that uh, nature. Sure. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I will say the guys who we thought would, were, were hooping out there, were hooping out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malik neighbors and Luther burden combined for 17 catches for 293 yards, um, which was impressive. I mean, Brady cook until that final pick six played pretty well all day. Yeah. Uh, he had four eleven. Jane Daniels was fucking awesome as always. Um, 389 total yards from him and four touchdowns. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Jane Daniels is probably a guy who is being overlooked in the best quarterback in the country conversation because of LSU's record. But uh, not a, neither of those losses are on him, I'll say. He has been no. awesome. Uh, the offense is great for LSU. Uh, their defense is still absolutely terrible. And Matt Howell should be, you know, I, I think put in prison. Uh-huh. But um, really impressed by Daniels, what he's done all season. He was 15 to 21 today. I mean, just yeah. ha- has been... I don't know how much more you could possibly ask from him on the season, right? Like, I, yeah. I don't know what else you could say about the guy. He's been, he's been perfect. He already has almost 2000 yards of the year uh, with 19 passing touchdowns and four more on the ground. Yeah. Uh, he's, it's, it's been speaking of on the ground, man, in this game, 15 carries for 130 yards and a touchdown. He had some yeah. really like runs that they don't win the game without, um, he's he's really really fun to watch. He's playing extremely well right now, and I, I think it is um, 
a reflection of how bad LSU's defense has been. That they have two losses at this point with one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He has been he's been just like you said, just about perfect this year. Um, yeah, fun to watch if him. They, fun to watch if, him work. If they were to make the SEC title game, uh, which I think is possible, not not crazy. Sure. Um, he would be on pace for. 4,800 yards and 46 total touchdowns in the season. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, nothing to nothing to shake a stick at there. Um, no. G5 here, just a quick G5 rundown. Louisiana survives against Texas State. Texas State very, very nearly wins this game, but Louisiana goes down late, scores a touchdown to win it. I think Louisiana's offense might be pretty decent this season. The defense I don't really trust, but um, good win for those guys to beat an upstart Texas State team. Um, Miami of Ohio, we've not talked about a ton on this show. They kicked the shit out of Bowling Green, and that defense is tremendously good. 27 to nothing beat down here. Uh, they shut them out. Bowling Green's offense is not anything to write home about, but I think Miami of Ohio, it's a, it's a good year for those guys. I'm very, very, very interested in the East race in the MAC with the, with them and uh, Ohio really at the top. I think that those are two pretty good G5 teams. Um, Miami of Ohio. Worth noting, really they do here. play, they get Western Michigan next week, but after that, they play Toledo and Ohio back to back. So yeah. Um, we're going to learn a lot about the top of this league very fast. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, in the Mountain West, two games. Uh, we have a third that we're going to talk about in more detail, the, the big one of the weekend. But uh, the one I was at, Utah State crushes Colorado State 44-24. to Utah State was down 17 nothing in the first quarter, which is just what Utah State does. They have been down 17 nothing in the first quarter like five times this year. Um, and then just surges, just really just rolls over them. It was It was very impressive, imposing their will. Um, really just kicked the shit out of them. Um, kind of called Colorado State's bluff and shut down Torrey Horton, threw right at their number one cornerback, uh, three receivers up over 100 yards on the day. Impressive yeah. win. I think Utah State is maybe you, uh, turning a corner here. You were texting me just after the game ended. Do you want to wanna share the story you told me from the sideline? I don't, about know, this game? I don't know that I can say this publicly. I don't, okay. <laughs> I don't, okay. know, <laughs> I don't know that I want to out the kid as, uh, as, as saying this because he's very shy. Um, I don't know if he would appreciate that. But Utah State has some defensive backs who in this game were going up against Torrey Horton, who's one of the best receivers in the country, and kind of uh, – I, I would say they made themselves known against him, and then they went out and proved it. He had three receptions for 20 yards. He really was was shut down. Um, impressive. Impressive from those defensive backs. They're pretty much the only team now in the last two years they've done this against Horton uh, to slow him down, to really even just shut him down. Nobody else has done that. I don't know how the hell they did that, um, but they did. Impressive win from them. Uh, and then last one here, Boise State survives against San Jose State 35-27, to rallies back from a pretty significant deficit. Um, this team sucks. I, I get it. They won the game. This team sucks. They're going to lose a lot of games in the yeah. Mountain West just this year. They're just not. They're soft. They're soft as shit. Everything that they do is soft. I just, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like what they're doing here. I don't like this team. Yeah, I find it intolerable. I mean, San Jose State is not a good football team. No. Uh, they are one of the worst teams in the country, I'd say. Uh, which is maybe not fair. I mean, they have a couple players on that roster, but but I mean, they're gonna finish like. Yeah, they've had a rough three go. Three and nine. It. They've had a rough go. Yeah. They they have they have some guys who are good, and then they have some guys who are really not good, and the guys who are really not good have kind of overshadowed the guys who are good. Um, really a collapse here on their part. But uh, Boise State, there's really just not there's not a whole lot to like here. I think that defense is really bad. Uh, both of the quarterbacks are shaky. Um, just not a good team. Just not a good team right now. Yeah. Um, all right. 
you I hope talk? they have the willpower to fire fire Andy Alcalos. Yeah, we'll we'll see. They're uh, I think they're getting there. <laughs> I think he's I think he's uh, he's gonna make it a little bit easier on them. Um, let's talk through some of the bigger games of the week here now. Uh, starting with, of course, I think the biggest game of the week and probably the best game of the week. That would be Red River. Oklahoma 34, Texas 30. Oklahoma goes down and wins it very, very late. Um, this was awesome. This was a really, really fun football game. There's narrative stuff here, of course, to talk about. But just as a football game, this was a lot of fun. I was um, I was really enjoying watching this. I watched every second of this. Um, impressive response here from Oklahoma late. They had struggled in the fourth quarter. They had let Texas back into the game. They had a 10-point lead with the chance to extend it after a fumble um, in the second half, and then they were not able to do it. Texas storms back, but then Oklahoma really with the uh, the answer to go down and win this one late. Um, I thought it was very impressive from, from Oklahoma, the way that they were poised in that moment to go and win the game. Dylan Gabriel, I thought, was awesome on that last drive. Um, good yep. win, really, really good win from Oklahoma, Texas. Um, and we we can we can we can we can enjoy Oklahoma a little bit first before we talk about Texas. Uh, where are you at with this? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I yeah, okay. So we'll draw Oklahoma first. I mean, Dylan Gabriel counted for 195 yards in the second half. Uh, that that last touchdown drive was awesome. You know, five play, 75 yard drive. Um, to go win the game with just, you know, they got the ball back with 77 seconds left to play and Texas had scored 13 unanswered points. Yeah. Um, so really impressive, gutsy drive to go out and win that game for them. And like, I mean, just a huge win for Venables and a program that really needed something like that. Uh, they kind of seized momentum in the Big 12, put themselves atop the conference. Uh, I was really impressed they were able to do out there. Um, uh, okay, so to pivot to Texas briefly, mm-hmm. I don't, it's hard to evaluate Quinn Ewers in this game. Yeah. Because you can say directly, like, I mean, he had three turnovers and quite literally, you know, that was the difference in the game, right? The second play of the game, he throws an interception and sets up a very short field for an Oklahoma touchdown. Uh, and if you look at the scoreboard in the game, that is the difference in it. But also in the second of the half, um, he was 20 of 21 for 255 <laughs> passing yards if you exclude the last second Hail Mary. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, like, it's just the Quinn Ewers experience where the highs and lows are, are just so extreme, but man, uh, what a great ball game overall. I don't know. I mean, it's hard. I don't want to value this game just in the quarterbacks too, right? A lot of other stuff happened out there. Yeah. To say the least. I mean, it was, it was an awesome game all day. Um, that's a back and forth game that I think we're going to see played again at the end of the season. Um, I do not think that was the last time we see those two teams play each other. I expect to see both of them at big 12 title game. Yeah. And with, with Quinn, you know, we, we talked about coming into this game, like, Oklahoma's game state, the way that Oklahoma wins this game, is by keeping it close throughout and then winning the turnover battle, creating havoc, um, finding ways to make big plays on defense. <laughs> That's exactly what they did. And and Quinn, outside of those big plays that he that he gave up, was I thought really good. You know, like he, like you said, um, this stat line is is even overall pretty strong. Thirty one of thirty seven for three hundred and forty six yards. But you have the two interceptions. You have I think he took five or six sacks in this game. Um, which is yeah, not entirely yeah. Yeah, not, not not entirely his fault. I think that the offensive line kind of you know left him out to dry a little bit, and also I thought Oklahoma did a really good job of designing its pressure here. Um, but you know you 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 take the good with the bad with this guy, and ultimately the bad was exactly what Oklahoma needed to get an edge and to go and and win a game against a team that I think is you know I think that this Texas team is pretty clearly more 
talented than Oklahoma is, but Oklahoma made the plays that it needed to make. I thought that defense was generally really impressive. They were put in a pretty bad spot down the stretch here with how little they were getting from their offense, and Texas took advantage. But the goal line stand was amazing. Um, The havoc that they created was consistent, was very, very difficult for Texas to deal with. I thought that the plan they came came in here with was really good, and they executed it extremely well. I was impressed with Oklahoma here. I was. I was I was very impressed with Oklahoma. On the Texas side of things, it does feel like a missed opportunity. Um, and that has been kind of the story of it with Texas for a while now, is <laughs> missed opportunities, is being yeah, good but decades, not being yeah. good enough. Um, and that was really what it felt like here. Yeah, a big coming out party for Jaleel Farouk for Oklahoma. Uh, he had a great day. Yeah. Um, Man, I think it's like so frustrating because you look at the box score and you see Texas gives gives up 201 rushing yards, but it just did not feel like that watching the game. Like almost all of that is coming from Dylan Gabriel scrambles for the yeah. most part, right? Like they they did shut down the design run game for Oklahoma for the most part. That's something we've seen from the Kwiatkowski defenses if, quite a few times uh, during his tenures at Texas and Washington. Um, they will prioritize pressure over. I think over kind of a, you know, they're willing to go up some of those scrambles so they can create pressure on the quarterback. Uh, and the problem is they did not get home that pressure uh, today at all. And they also were not very disciplined in stopping the scrambles, which really kind of broke them a little bit because guys start over pursuing once Gabriel started to leave the pocket. He had quite a few throws on the run because of that. Once defenders start collapse on him. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think some of those play calls put the Texas secondary in a bad spot. Uh, but also at a certain point in time, you have to get home. You have to create pressure. You have to make plays, right? And, and the Texas defense just did not make enough plays. Uh, the Oklahoma defense did. Yeah, um, kind of in a in a weird way, kind of reminds me of the Alabama game last year for Texas, where you have it. I, I think generally they played a a good game, had a pretty good approach here, but down the stretch, you need to make tackles, you need to make plays, you need to get Dylan Gabriel off the field. Um, on that last drive, they just couldn't do it. They they just could not do it. Yeah. And I hated some of their coverages in that last drive. Yeah, they were very just... very soft, very soft coverages throughout that drive, and and they uh, they paid pretty dearly for it. And I don't think that this is like, I don't imagine this is the last we're going to hear from Texas this year. This is their first loss. They are still very much in contention for everything they want to be in contention for, but things the the things that cost them here are the things that we have been worrying about right it, it's just the the missed opportunities not getting home on that pressure um they ran the ball pretty well in, in general i thought jonathan brooks had a good game i think that they have maybe found their guy with him um but too many mistakes yeah. just too many big mistakes that told they gave so, up by the way. um what's that I said, told you so. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, I, I'm just, I worry about those big mistakes continuing to to show up in these games. Um, we have seen it happen to these guys before. I think we'll probably see it happen to them again. On the Oklahoma side, I think that this is, like like we said, you know, a, a team that is kind of limited and, and has, to, has to win on game state, and they did it here. I don't know that they're going to be able to do it every single time they go and play a big game, but they got, they got this one out of the way, and they got the result that they wanted. Um, big win, big, big, big win for them. They, they yeah. needed this one pretty bad and they go out and get it. And, and by the way, Texas scored on just one third of their, uh, of their red zone opportunities of the day. Um, mm-hmm. just not good enough in the red zone. No, Gotta be better than that. no, not good um, enough in the red zone. And Oklahoma deserves some credit for that. Like I said, the goal line stand was excellent, yeah, but yeah, just, there's, there's, there is just a lack of the, it seems like the creativity in this offense kind of goes away when they get that condensed field, which is understandable. It happens to a lot of coaches, but you got to find some answers there because you have the talent to make this work and they're just not, 
there's just not enough going on in the red zone for these guys. And they've had these issues with taking advantage of scoring opportunities before you really can't have that yeah. in this kind of game. Yeah. The, the lack of creativity in the red zone, like the inability to impose your will on a lesser football or not a lesser football team, but an equivalent or lesser team, uh, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, Lincoln Riley, Ryan day. There, there are some common threads there. You see that stuff in this kind of coach. Yeah. Um, and it bit Texas on Saturday. Yeah. But I mean, just a great game overall. Like we said, if Texas can still absolutely win this rematch and, get everything they plan to win this year. And the rest of the schedule is pretty straightforward. And I'd say easy for Texas. Yeah. Um, they should not lose again. The regular season. If they do, it's a failure of coaching. Yeah. Uh, which is certainly possible. So mm-hmm. it's certainly possible for Stark to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of failures of coaching uh, and Ryan day, uh, Ohio state kind of struggled with Maryland the day. Um, they were able to pull away in the second half for a 37 to 17 win, including a totally meaningless field goal for a backdoor cover. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> that, uh, kind of a james franklin style score for for ohio state yeah um man it was an ugly one it was definitely an ugly one for ohio state i i think there are this is exactly like, i don't know how, if you got a chance to listen to high street freaks for the week but this is kind of the exact game me and kevin were worried would happen mm-hmm. uh which is a classic like if you actually watch the game and have a critical eye towards what ohio state is doing you come with a lot of frustrations and kind of doubts with this team going forward yeah uh however you know if you just check the box score you can look down and say oh well you know Kyle McCord threw for 320 yards on a turnover and yeah. Ohio State cover they won they won by they 20 they won by 20 what yeah, are you they, so they mad about by 20 yeah they won by 20 and beat a previously unbeaten Big Ten team like you can spin this narrative <laughs> pretty easily the defense you know hold strong they get a defensive score and all that stuff but I mean like the problems that we have it, it just drives me fucking crazy watching this team because it feels like every problem I've critiqued for several years about them just manifests in different yeah. ways every single week. Like the special teams were an abject disaster for Ohio State. Yeah, they were really um, bad. They were really bad in very yeah. funny ways and ways that they have been bad historically. <laughs> ways that, that Parker Fleming's special teams unit has consistently been bad. Just just not very disciplined, not very smart, makes weird mistakes, makes unforced errors. Um <laughs> yeah, this the special teams have been an adventure for Ohio State for for several years now. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean they they had the Ryan Dickmaff game and said that the quote unquote fake punt. That, you know what I'm talking about the play in the Ohio State's first drive of the game. Mm. Uh, they came out and snapped the ball to the up back for a loss of three yards. Um, he said it was not intended as a fake punt. It was a missed snap by the long snapper. I don't know how the fuck you snap a ball accidentally like that far to the left to the up back um i don't know what's worse if your long snapper is that bad yeah or if you intentionally call it a fake punt on your own 30 to the line to a linebacker uh-huh. um i don't know <laughs> which option is worse but they also had an illegal formation a successful punt uh and they they also managed to uh to get a holding call on a fair catch um just overall a, a complete disaster from Ohio State on special teams. Really frustrating. Um, The defense was good. I'll say this defense has been opportunistic in stopping scoring opportunities for opponents. Yeah. Um, I think some of the the way they allow teams to continue drives, um, some of the, what we talked about several times, the misalignment in the front, the confusion of the linebackers, Yeah. um, means this is probably a half step or a half tier below like the elite defenses nationally of, of Georgia, Alabama, Penn State, Michigan, and maybe yeah. Utah. I think pretty clearly, um, yeah, pretty clearly a half step or, or you know, maybe a full step below. Uh, Not necessarily for talent reasons, just for, yeah, like you said, alignment well, reasons. 
Yeah, and, and like this is stuff that is fixable, right? The good part is you are a lot of strengths like Ohio State defense. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, like I, I think they are making adjustments. The defensive line is starting to create a lot more pressure. Um, they really harassed the lead second by low on the day. Um, forced him into two interceptions. Uh, they, I think they, they, he was something like three of thirteen on snaps where he was pressure. Uh-huh. Uh, the defensive line did get after him a bit. Um, they only finished with two sacks, but if you watch the game, they were in his face a lot more than that. Um, the linebackers are a problem. The linebacker play has been really bad, uh, which again, when you don't have a linebacker coach, um, eh, you know, that yeah. happens. That'll yeah. happen, right? When you only have four defensive coaches, things don't get improved there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you have to have that full-time special teams coordinator. He's doing a really good job. Of course. He's doing a great <laughs> job. Um, also, McCord is pretty clearly a step below the previous three starters, right? With Haskins, Fields, and Stroud. Yeah. Um, just does not throw with anticipation. Uh, again, I know he gave two-thirds of his passes for 323 yards and, and two touchdowns, but he also missed a couple clear touchdowns on just either underthrows or throws he hit late. Yeah. Um, man, he just does not see it fast enough. And I think the problem is that Ryan Day continues to say week after week, yeah, you know, we got to go ahead and get there, get him in a rhythm and all these things just doesn't do anything to actually make that happen. Yeah. He's still asking him to throw these like very difficult ball placement routes down the field that CJ Stroud is brilliant at hitting, uh, but are not easy for a normal quarterback to hit. Yeah. And I don't think McCord's an, I think McCord is an above average power five starter, but he's not, he's not Dwayne Haskins or CJ Stroud on those, on those balls down the field. Yeah. Um, which is, Justin Fee, which is a hard guy to be right. You can't just, it's, it's hard to just have that guy over and over and over again. And it was understandable that eventually there would be a drop, but I don't think Ohio state has adjusted especially well to it. Like you said, it doesn't really, you know, you, you can talk all you want about getting him in rhythm. He's, it, I, I think that he's just not going to be able to do it in the same way that those guys could. And it's, it's pretty clear that he can't do it in the same way that those guys could it doesn't really feel like they have made the appropriate changes with that. Um, the thing that I'm referencing defensively about, like, I don't really know. I, I think that there are some alignment issues that might just exist throughout is that what it feels like to me watching this defense is that Jim Knowles is doing the absolute best that he can do with a defensive line coach who refuses to coach within his scheme. And we have talked about yeah. this several times. Um, the whole like like consistently dropping Jack Sawyer into coverage thing. Jack Sawyer should that you have an actual position that that's meant for. You have a position yeah. called the Jack that have yeah. guys who are like yeah. linebacker bodies who know how to at least cover a little better than that. Yeah. And instead you drop like a fat defensive end into coverage. Yeah, and, and it's it's just things like that where it's like you could see how much better this defense would be if they would just let Jim Knowles have full control over who's on the field and that he doesn't have that control. Um, and that, that's the thing where it's like, I just don't know if that's going to change because I think Larry Johnson's too fucking stubborn to do it. And I don't think that Ryan day is, is, uh, brave enough to fire him basically. Um, and so I think that there is just going to be kind of a permanent misalignment of this defense where like, yeah, Jack Sawyer shouldn't be on the fucking field in that position. It doesn't make sense. They should have somebody who's actually built to play that position there. And, you know, Jim Knowles is doing the best that he can with it. And I think is, is doing a really, really good job of working around, the limitations that he's been given, but th- those limitations don't need to exist. You've, you've, you know, imposed them on yourself with this staff right. uh, being what it is. He makes and, it harder for himself. Like, oh, yeah. he, he finds a way to make it harder. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that, um, that, that's my, that's my thing on, on the defense. It, it, the, my, my overriding thought here in watching this game is, you know, I, I think Ohio state, we have a pretty decent understanding for at this point. And I think that if Maryland was better it could have very easily won this game. That was where I came down on this, is that Maryland is not good enough to win this game, and Maryland 
missed a lot of opportunities. Maryland really kind of fucked it up here. Um, you know, the the late the the end of the first half was obviously a catastrophe where they get zero points out of this this drive into deep into Ohio State territory just from really poor clock management and sort of understanding of where they were on the field and, and how much time was left. Um, Maryland had a lot of opportunities, drop passes, um, passes that weren't in the right place, weird play calling. Just it, it felt like it kind of all it all built up for Maryland and eventually it became too much and you know the the dam broke yeah. and Ohio State was able to get through. But I think against a better opponent, Ohio State would would have to probably pay for a lot of the bad things that it is doing for a lot 100%. of the, the shakiness yeah. that it has on offense. It just doesn't really feel like this team has you know like we we have said a lot it doesn't really feel cohesive at all and i think that there are better teams on this schedule who if ohio state plays like this which it has more often than it hasn't this year uh will make them pay for it this this was more of a you beat a team that wasn't really good enough to win this game and and less that like ohio state was impressive down the stretch maryland just couldn't keep up late Right. Ryan Day's superpower is that he does have sex with all the other teams coaches before the game <laughs> and he passes on he passes on the it follows cowardice monster to them, like we talked about. Um Mike Loxley was terrified this game. He just totally shit his pants. Uh and what should have I mean, like they they yeah. very easily could have been up seventeen nothing in this game. Um mm-hmm. very easily. And he, he just absolutely freaked it. I like, think they should have been freaked it. I, th- I think yeah, they, they should, they have, should been. have been. They should have had a pretty big lead at different points in this game and they just did not take advantage of those opportunities and they really they let Ohio State stick around and Ohio State, you know, playing <laughs> playing at home here, you just can't do that. This is this team is talented enough that they will make you pay for that and Maryland really yeah. just missed its missed its chance and and this is this is a consistent story for Maryland. It yeah. misses its chance in these games. The only coaches who are immune to, to- days feminine wiles uh are, are the ones that will just run the fucking rock when it's working mm-hmm. uh and, and, and i mean maryland cannot run the ball today but but i mean like when you look at the games today has lost other than the alabama game where they got run off the field yeah with a team that could, simply could not cover those receivers um the losses he's taken are from you know jim harbaugh kirby smart and, and dan lanning or sorry it's mario crystal actually in Oregon at the time really uh, funny. but they just had <laughs> yeah 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 very funny uh we'll talk about him in a second but they mm-hmm. just had superior rushing attacks uh, they knew they could take Ohio State down. They just ran the fucking ball. Yeah. Um, because they're more physical. Basically, all the complaints that um, Lou Holtz leveled against Ryan Day were correct. And uh, if, when Ohio State plays teams that can do that, I, I think it's a team capable of losing. Especially, I mean, we're talking about the defense here, and I think the defense is still largely very good. But but you know, Ohio State off- offense is also too inconsistent, right? Like they yeah. don't they don't have a rhythm or a feel to the offense. This offense uh, looked have... like the offense looked like shit for a lot of this game. It looked yeah, just they just... don't have any staples. They yeah. don't have an identity. They don't do things to make it easier for themselves. Like, you know, they don't call any rhythm throws for Kyle McCord when they have the best receivers in football. Like and, and the fact they have the best receiver in football with Marvin Harrison Jr. is why they won today, right? I mean, he had eight catches for 163 yards. Yeah. Like a lot of their offense to get kind of get back in this was just chucking the ball to Marvin Harrison and letting him be Marvin Harrison, right? And that worked. Uh but I mean, Jesus Christ, like the continued insistence on calling a lot of these zone run plays, you clearly cannot block for is no. maddening. Like these guys, they cannot block for it and they keep calling it. They keep calling that fucking boundary stretch. Uh, <laughs> One of these days, insane. One of these days is going to work. The defense is yeah. going to be caught off guard by this, uh, 
not even not really a constraint play at this point just a base play something that you do that doesn't work ever um not really it's (laughs) it's a fun they also play a fun little uh a fun little kind of you know pass the hat around game where they get to pick each week which offensive lineman is gonna be the worst in the team yeah uh you know through five games four of their five offensive linemen have been the worst player on the field for the highest in offense uh the only one who has not been is matt jones and his whole thing is just being consistently slightly above average every week yeah um they they just can't do this shit, dude. Like Josh Fryer was terrible today. He was the worst one. It was Carson Hinsman against Notre Dame. It was Donovan Jackson the week prior to that, and Josh Simmons the week prior to that. Yeah. Uh, it's just it, like usually when these that guys. Are, yeah, usually when that is the case, um, sign of a bigger problem than just the offensive line. Yeah, it's coaching and scheme. It's coaching <laughs> yeah. and scheme, of course. Yeah, it's it's uh, uh yeah. I mean, I'm I'm and I think that's gonna be like the the, the part that's probably gonna happen is although I think Ohio State could absolutely lose to Penn State again James Franklin is more terrified at the moment than almost anyone else in college football yeah and they also don't have an offense and I think they'll probably still lose to Ohio State despite having the best defense in the country because they will not do things to win either and they'll be they'll play it scared as well um, which is my expectation for every James Franklin game he's ever coached yeah uh, so we'll see we'll see what kind of comes of Ohio State this season they're obviously always still you know, six more games to get a fix before Michigan, but they could absolutely lose to Penn State. There's no doubt about that. Um, and they are pretty clearly flawed, but I, I guess the, the argument on their behalf is uh, everyone else except Michigan and Georgia uh, has looked pretty flawed consistently too. Yeah, And Michigan and Georgia have certainly had their flaws as well. We talked about Georgia sleepwalking this season and uh, Michigan's had quite a few problems with its offensive line performance as well. And it's defensive secondary that, yeah. you know, do start to look better, but are still not, I, I say, you know, I'm not going to say they're totally gone because of one or two games. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. Ohio state is a very frustrating team and I have no faith in Ryan day to do the things that it takes to get this team to a championship level because he's not a championship level coach. Yep. Um, we'll see. Yep. We'll see. Next um, up here, UCLA 25, Washington state 17. Um, Washington State does not get a good this is not a good a good Cam Ward game at all he really really struggled here they couldn't really run the ball um offense was all out of sorts I think that UCLA deserves a lot of credit for what it was able to do defensively in this game um and honestly I think in general I would I would be inclined less to uh to to complain about Washington State here Washington State didn't play well and 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 should be I, I think probably pretty disappointed with this outcome but on the UCLA side of things, I love this game plan, man. I love the the way that they came into this. I love the approach that they took. Uh, Chip Kelly's really, really good at this. Um, they ran 96 plays here, and he said uh, at, at halftime talking to the sideline reporter, we want to wear them down, and we think we're going to be able to wear them down. We're running a lot more plays than they are. We're going to get this defense tired, and we're going to win it in the fourth quarter, and that's exactly what they did. I, I think it was a, a really, really good approach that they took here. Dante Moore, not perfect, but played pretty well down the stretch. Um, they ran the shit out of the football. Carson Steele had a really good game. Um, just, it, I was impressed. I was really impressed with UCLA and the way that it handled itself here. This is a, um, this was a, th- this feels like a weekday win. This feels like a, a, a game that UCLA won in preparation and then went out and, and delivered on it when it needed to. I was really impressed with what the, the Bruins were able to do here. Yeah. I mean, I, I think especially UCLA's defense, I know you mentioned a few things about the offense there, but the defense is, is what won this game. Uh, Wazoo had 16 possessions and they only got a first down on four of them, um, which is crazy. Yeah. Four, I mean, just, just four turnovers. Um, yeah. <laughs> it just wasn't, it just, Cam it was... Ward completed less than half his passes. They had 37 yeah. non-sack rushing yards. Yeah. Just, 
man. Uh, and, and also worth noting prior to this, in, in the previous four games, Wazoo had averaged 45.8 points per game, 533.8 yards, and 27 first downs. Yeah. Uh, Against some pretty good defenses, <laughs> right? Like they've done this in, in some pretty big games, and, and they just – UCLA had the right approach here. I, I I think that this was a this is much more UCLA went out and, and won it than it was Wazoo going out and losing. I still have faith in this Washington State team in general. I don't think you're going to get another game this bad from Cam Ward, but I think UCLA just had the answer. I, I think UCLA had the answer for really everything that Washington State wanted to do. Um, this is a chip special. This this is a this is a classic Chip Kelly game where he's just he's got their fucking number. He knows exactly what to do to win this game. I was I was really impressed with these guys. Yep, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Big win for them, and and uh, again, they're still in the thick of it too. Both these yeah. teams are. Um, what else do we have here? We had uh, Alabama and their win in College Station. Uh, they went twenty six twenty during a second half comeback. Um, man. Um, <laughs> Here's the thing is Texas A&M got exactly the game they wanted to play, right? They won the turnover battle. They totally eliminated the Alabama rushing attack. They kept this as a low-scoring affair into the fourth quarter. And they basically dared Alabama to beat them behind the passing attack. And they did that, right? Like, I I mean, a a pretty, like, through his career has been a pretty mediocre power five receiver, Jermaine Burton, absolutely fucking killed A&M. Nine receptions, 197 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. Um, the problems we saw with those Aggies defensive backs against Miami were still very much there. Like, I don't think Milrow made any special throws, right? Maybe one or yeah, a couple he, he had He had some guys running wide fucking open. He, he had, like, like, it was not exclusively that. I thought he did play pretty well. The the pressure was significant up front. I thought Texas A&M's line did a good job, yeah. but he took, adv- sacks, yeah. Yeah, he, he took advantage of a secondary that is just kind of, you know, prone to, prone to mistakes and pro- prone to both blown coverages and missed tackles and Alabama goes out and, and wins. Like you said, the game that Texas A&M wanted to play Texas A&M just doesn't, just doesn't get the job done. Doesn't, doesn't really step up in the places that it needed to step up. Max Johnson wasn't super impressive. They really couldn't yeah. run the ball. And they're it, ultimately the thing that they want to hang their hat on their defense really lets them down here and they, and they fall at home. Yeah. And credit to, we do roast Tommy Reese a lot and he deserves it, but credit to him here. He did, he had a few openings, took advantage of them. I mean, he got a lot of quick one-read throws for for uh, Miller to get him in a rhythm. Yeah, and he recognized they had a matchup problem outside where Burton could kind of just beat any of these any of these defensive backs and Isaiah Bond to a lesser extent too. Um, and they did that right. They they got these guys open, especially on the sideline. Yeah, uh, Milroad does not do a ton of things well, but he does have a strong arm, can hit those throws hash to hash, and uh, and outside of the hashes, and and he was able to do that. Um, like I said, a lot of one read throws, got the ball out quick uh, against that pressure and, and just a lot of recognizing that, hey, these corners cannot stick with Burton. Let's just get the ball to him a lot. Yep. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that much of AM, right? Like AM's a pretty clearly flawed team and Alabama uh, trailed them, was in a tight game with them through the end of this game. But um, a win's a win. Also, uh, just another sign of, I, I don't know. Saban not being at the top of his game here. Uh-huh. Uh, Alabama w- did the thing that Cristobal did, which <laughs> we're going to talk about soon, which is not kneeling the game to end, not kneeling the ball to end the game. Yeah, uh, there were a couple of those like, this weekend. I don't know what was in the what was in the fucking Northwestern water. did it too. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't understand why that was like suddenly such a big problem for several teams this week. Just kneel the ball out. Just just <laughs> end the game. You don't need to. You don't need to run any more plays. Just end the game. What are you doing? <laughs> 
what is the point of this? Yeah, they, it didn't end up costing them. Their defense steps up again at the end of the game and, and, and closes it down. But, um, yeah, weird. We, you don't usually see that happen from, from Nick Saban, from this team. And there are still, you're seeing those mistakes. You're seeing those things that it just doesn't, Alabama doesn't do all that much. Alabama didn't used to do all that much. You have a, you know, a, a penalty, like, I I don't remember what it was. It was like taunting or something um, on a on a sack <laughs> in this game where they, they add, you know, another 15 yards, make it a more difficult punt and, and, and fuck up the field position. Um, just things like that. Thing, the, things that, that Alabama did not used to do. They're not as disciplined as they once were. I think that they are figuring some things out with Milrow. I think they are getting a better understanding of how to bring him along and to uh, to to make the games and make the matchups more favorable for him, I think Texas A&M also didn't make it easy. Is not would not be the right word, but Texas A&M was was uh, open to that. <laughs> Texas A&M was, um, you know, willing to let them do that. And and those cornerbacks are are just questionable at this point. They're they're shaky. I think firmly. Um, but yeah, I don't some, have any questions. I think I know they suck. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's fair. Um, and, uh, I, I think Alabama, you know, obviously does enough to go out and win the game, but it was not, um, it was not, it's not the well-oiled machine that it once was pretty, pretty clearly. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of flaws here. Um, we'll see. I, I know everyone's talking about Alabama being back in the playoff race or whatever. And yeah. Uh, let, let's hang on a few weeks, huh? Yeah, let, I, I think I think A and M is firmly not a serious football program. I, I we can we can say that this is not a serious football program. Yeah. Um they yeah they just they they're not capable of winning the games they want to win against the best teams on their schedule, and that is not that's not good. Um, you men we've mentioned it a couple times here. We should probably talk about it here. Georgia Tech twenty three, Miami twenty. So as I've said a couple times, I was down on a field watching a different football game while this was happening. Ryan, what the fuck happened here? What was going on? I, I was able to kind of catch up to this second hand going through and, and seeing the reactions to it. What did Miami do here? How did they how did they fuck this up? The game the game was over, right? Okay. So okay. Miami good. gets a first down with a minute twenty or sorry, a minute uh a minute twenty two left. Okay. Right? Yeah. Uh, they get a first down the Georgia Tech thirty yard line. Uh Georgia Tech had one timeout left. Okay. Uh so they can stop that clock. Obviously you're gonna take off when two seconds of the clock when you snap the football and hold it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you kneel the ball three times, the game is over. You yeah. have 40 seconds on the play clock. Georgia Tech cannot stop it. All you had to do was kneel to end the game. Yeah. Um, they did not do that. Instead, they ran the ball three straight times with Donald Cheney. Uh, Donald Cheney on his on his third carry, yeah. uh, on a third and 10, fumbled the football with 33 seconds left. Georgia Tech gets the ball back. Uh, and they had a big completion of Malik Rutherford at first, and then uh, Christian Leary gets behind the Alabama transfer, uh, gets behind the the Miami defense for a touchdown, Yeah, and it ends the game. Um, it's... He's done this before, too. This was pointed out. Cristobal, has, he's lost a game like this before. They lost to Stanford. I don't remember what year it was because they didn't kneel the ball out. They had the chance to just win the game and, and, and close it uh, down. Um, I will say that one was going around. The scenario was different, to be fair. Okay. Uh, look, it, it's it, it is something he's pointed out before that his teams do not do this. He does not believe in kneeling the football for whatever reason. Cool. Uh, 
he like always care like it's been i think the there have been four games the last two years yeah where he has not kneeled the football when they could have ended it just ha- I, I don't know to pad rushing stats i don't ha- know why has to be the smartest um, guy in the room he has to be the smartest guy in the room he it is he's it is, it is incapable of just doing what everybody else does <laughs> he has to prove yeah oh well my thing is actually better my thing is actually smarter than right. what everybody else is doing the the common the common thinking no it isn't it's not it's stupid this is a stupid thing to believe you can just kneel in the fucking game there's no reason not to just end the game you can right. win it just that, take the win that stanford game everyone was talking about stanford could have gotten the ball back if they kneeled the football it would have been like a something like a, a, a they would have had to go like you know 85 yards with like less than 40 seconds left but he okay. could have ended the game in that one like this one literally the game was over yeah all you had to do is if you just execute three kneel downs the game was over yeah this is I think maybe the worst loss I've ever seen in football. Yeah, it was not necessary. It was not just like, oh, you blew it. You 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 literally you gave them the win. You won the game, and then you didn't win the game. You refused to just take the win. You had to go out and uh, I, I don't I don't really know what the point is. What is the point of doing? You could win the fucking game. You're undefeated. Just win the game. It doesn't matter if it's pretty. You won. That's the only <laughs> number that matters at the end of the day. If you win all of your games, you will get to go do whatever you want. You don't, you just you just can't lose. That's the only requirement. You just can't fucking lose. It doesn't you played like shit. Just end the game. Yeah, and that's also just a move that like I don't know how you look your players in the eyes. I don't know how you go play the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh I mean they get they're on the road at North Carolina next week and then Clemson after that. And after those games are over, uh, through November, they have road games at NC State and Florida State, a home game against Louisville. Yeah. I hope they go 6-6. Six and six. Fuck <laughs> these guys. Um, I hope they lose every single one of those games and go to way, find a way to go 6-6. Six and six. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the least serious faults I've ever seen. Even being in a close game with a shorter tech team is bad enough. Yeah. Um, but, but then actually losing it like that. I mean, it's just... It's truly one of the most pathetic results I've ever seen from a Power 5 football team. Yeah. Um, Miami has losing in their soul, man. It's just in their DNA, in their soul. This is who they are. Yeah. Yeah, this is who they are. Um, really inexcusable. I mean, it, it's, it's not just like, uh, like I said, it's not just like they played badly and, and you know lost to a team they should beat. Like, they they played badly and still won, and then they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they decided they didn't want to win. That was not. We we actually we would rather take the loss. We would uh, we don't we don't want to do this this way. We want to, uh, you know, we we gotta put we gotta put more points on the board. Um, no, you don't. Just end the game. Get out of there. Just get out of there. Just fucking survive. That's the only thing you need to do at this stage of the season. Just don't lose this game. Don't lose at home to a bad Georgia Tech team. It's not that hard. You did it. You had it done. Just go do it. <laughs> take the win. Get off the fucking field. Go, go, you know, go recuperate and get ready for the big stretch of games that you have coming up next. Don't do this. This is the only thing that you can't do. This is, everything else is fine. Just, ugh, God, really inexcusable. Yeah. Really, really inexcusable here. It's it's horrendous. Um, <sighs> speaking of inexcusable and bad coaching, I, I don't know if it's quite in the same category. I'd say it's probably not, but mm-hmm. uh, Marcus Hartman, uh, Marcus Hartman, that's a writer for Ohio State. Marcus Freeman, I did that. During the game, too, during the Ohio State game, I, I yeah. yelled about Marcus Hartman. Happens. He's a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus Freeman is who I mean. Uh, <laughs> that son of Marcus a bitch in the Freeman. press box, is, is he's making the calls. <laughs> Fuck the Dayton Daily News, dude. Fuck those guys. <laughs> um, no, but uh, Marcus Freeman freaks it. Uh, Notre Dame loses by two scores at Louisville, 33-20. to 20. Um, uh, <laughs> There's a few things here. 
Sam Hartman had three turnovers. I think he actually had four turnovers today. Yeah. Um, three of them led to a combined 13 points for Louisville, quite the difference in the day. Uh, Sam also had a late turnover on downs. It's one of the more inexplicable play calls I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> they love to do that. 11. They love to have inexplicable Dude, they had play a, calls. <laughs> they had a fourth and 11 down 11 points on their own 35-yard line with nine four minutes, 42 seconds left. Yeah. 10 minutes left of game time. Okay. You're in your own 35-yard line, 4th and 11, and they go for it on 4th down <laughs> and throw an incomplete pass. Turnover on downs leads to a local field goal. Uh-huh. Um, what the fuck were you thinking? What the fuck was that? Well, Sam, like, Sam there's Hartman a lot of is, things you can say on Notre Dame. Sam Hartman like, is so good at throwing the ball 12 yards down the field. That's something that he, right, <laughs> he of course. But do. I mean, like, uh, there's 10 minutes left. You don't <laughs> like... Yeah, you can't go. You can't go punt the ball and get a stop. What's it's a two score game. Yeah, what do you? What is the the, the risk? The risk reward analysis here is not good. The risk reward analysis on a fourth and eleven from your own side of the fifty with ten minutes left to play is not good. I I don't think that the Notre Dame defense was like lights out in this game. They th- they gave up thirty three points, but it was it's it's that's the strength of your team pretty clearly. I don't really know why you would. Sam Hartman is not the strength of your team, and certainly not Sam Hartman facing fourth and eleven, right? Like he did it last week. He went and got it done against Duke, but that's not something you should plan on. You shouldn't try to seek that out. We gotta, we gotta get Sam Hartman in fourth and eleven. He's unstoppable. No, he isn't. He's not. He's never been. <laughs> that's not his thing. That's not what he does. It just, it is a, it, it feels like a misunderstanding of what you have on your football team, which at this point in the season is really, really hard to uh, excuse. You should know better. You should know better with what you have here and what you're good at and what you aren't good at. Yeah, I, I will say this is another game where Freeman like was facing a coach who was willing to blink. Right, like in the second half of this game, it's seven seven at the half. Louisville comes out on the very first play of the second half. They fumble the football. Yep. Give Notre Dame a very short field for a field goal. First of all, pathetic that they couldn't get more than that. Yeah. Uh, they're only two scores. The uh, sorry, that's not true. Um, they're they're two. They're only two scores until the final two minutes of the game, the second half, where a 53 yard field goal and 54 yard field goal. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them set up off of off of turnovers. Yeah. Um, just completely insane. Uh, however, I, I mean, I don't really know what to say about how dog shit this coaching was from Freeman, man. Like, just yeah. could not get anything going in offense. Uh, Louisville is perfectly willing to lose. And then Notre Dame, in the second half, again, 53-yard field goal, punt, 54-yard field goal, turnover on downs, interception, fumble, and then the late garbage time touchdown after they were already out of the game. Um, then another interception. Yeah, um, for good measure. Just, yeah, just just, just to make sure it went okay. <laughs> really drive it um, yeah, I mean, these guys fucking suck, dude. I, and this is yeah. this is this is bad. Yeah. Uh, it's Freeman is not cut out for the job, in my opinion. I, I mean, I don't think no. Notre Dame was terrible in this game. Like they definitely had a chance to win, uh, and just he completely cost them. Um, Sam Hartman is who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, Freeman Freeman doesn't have the goods for the for this kind of level of football. No, it does not feel like it. I will say on the on the Louisville side of things, like Notre Dame, you know, Notre Dame blinked, blinked harder and, and gave them this game and had a whole bunch of turnovers. All of that stuff is true. Um, Louisville has not lost this season, and they have not been necessarily pretty in doing it, but they go and they, they get a, a pretty significant home win here. This is one of the biggest, 
you know, for in, in terms of like, you know, ranking of the team that they beat and, and the situation at hand, one of the biggest wins that Louisville has had at home in quite some time, one of the biggest wins that Louisville has had as a football program in quite some time. Um, yeah, the, since the, like Lamar was there. Yeah, the, yeah. Pa- the passing attack was not very good. Uh, it was pretty much just Jamari Thrash, which has been what it has been this season. I think that's just probably what they're going to be able to do this year. Um, I thought they ran the ball really well. I was impressed with their rushing attack. I was impressed with Jawar Jordan, who has been good for them this season in general. Um, and they they went out and they did it. They took advantage. They They did not... They did not waste their opportunity, and they certainly got a pretty big one from Notre Dame here. And, and Notre Dame did not make it did not make it too challenging on them. But you need to go win the game, and and we've seen teams against this Notre Dame team not do that. Um, Louisville did. Louisville took advantage and, and got a you know a pretty comfortable win out of it. I was I was impressed with them here. I think that they they went out and they they did their job, and that has not been something you can always say about college football teams, even just this week you see teams not doing their jobs Louisville did their job I, I think that they understand pretty well what they're good at and they're they're getting a lot better at playing to it um I'm I'm impressed with what they've been able to do here in year one this is not a uh this is not a perfect team by any means I think this is probably no. a pretty solidly just above average Louisville team that has had some chances and, and has taken them but that is that's better than a lot of teams would do you know there's not a lot of there's not a lot of unbeaten teams in college football right now Louisville still is. That is impressive. They they deserve credit for that. Yeah, Louisville is like, what if Maryland did not have to play three top twelve teams per year? Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is fine for them, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be pretty good. I, I think, especially if if Riley Leonard is not healthy for Duke when they play on Halloween weekend, mm-hmm. if he's not back by then, um, Louisville's going to be undefeated by the time they play Miami in November, mm-hmm. the second to last weekend of the year. Uh, like we're going to be talking about about crazy. <laughs> potentially playoff bound Louisville. Oh God, um, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. The talk rest about of the schedule. That. Look at the rest of the schedule. No, I, I know. I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> well, I know you know. I'm going to read the schedule for everybody else. It's at Pitt by week. Potentially Riley Leonard list Duke. Mm-hmm. Then Virginia Tech at home. Virginia at home at Miami. Home against Kentucky. Yeah. Why can't they go 12 and 0? I would assume they fuck it up at some point because this is like yeah, said, not too. a not me a too, supremely but... talented football team. But I mean, they have a lot of teams on that board who would also, in this situation, probably blink. And the team that blinks less is usually the one that wins. And and Louisville has has done that successfully to this point. Um, good for them. Good win. I I, I think they are. Um, they are they are doing what they wanted to do and then some this year. I don't imagine that Jeff Brom came in thinking he was going to be six and zero at this point, and they are. Um, I will also say you 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 mentioned uh, the the you know Maryland if they didn't have to play three top five teams uh, every year. Um, boy, it would be it would be crazy if Maryland was in a conference like Louisville's where they could do this, where they could you know have just like a pretty good team and rattle off 10, 11 wins, have these huge seasons. Um, it would be crazy if, if Maryland had like, you know, they could be, if only they could be like in the ACC or something, that would be, that would be really good for that program. If only, there's no way, there was just no way for Maryland to ever be in the ACC. It was not, it wasn't possible. They were doomed forever to a life in the big 10. They had no choice in the matter. They had no say, uh, they, uh, <laughs> they couldn't just couldn't do it. They were, they were stuck with this. They had to do, they had to live this life forever. They had no choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, nothing yep. to be done about it. Nope. Uh, you got to take the cash. <laughs> no, um, nothing to learn from that. Nothing. No. 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 Uh, 
no no big overarching thoughts maybe for other programs looking at this uh not gonna not gonna connect that thought to anything else not gonna <laughs> not gonna take that one into my mind and maybe mull it over a little bit before i do anything that i might regret um nope just gonna no, bowl we, on we, through no problems we can't do that because we have to talk about uh wyoming's win over fresno state 24 19 home um they set the tone. So that's just... the tone. <laughs> Wyoming won this game in, in the first. I mean, they didn't score in the second half. Yeah. Uh, and, and they just survived a gradual Fresno State comeback. Um, yeah, man. I mean, they they went out there and beat the hell out of them in the first half. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, it was twenty four seven at halftime. Um, really, really impressive. I thought. Um, from from Wyoming. Yeah. Uh, they swamped them. I mean, these guys are. Yeah, they swamped them. They. We talked about them having two major back-to-back tests against Fresno State and Air Force, um, and they survived the first one. Yeah, I, I think Air Force is going to be probably a trickier test for this specific Wyoming team because of what Air Force is good at, and also because I think Air Force is better than Fresno State. I have I have thought that throughout the season. Um, but they passed the first one here with flying colors. They did exactly what they wanted to do. We talked about after the Texas Tech game at the beginning of the season, you know, the, the Andrew Peasley, their quarterback's quote after the game of, yeah, we we wanted to take them to the to the deep end and and drown them. Uh, we wanted to we wanted to put them underwater. We wanted to take them to the deep water and just just hold them there. Um, they're really good at that. They're really this is a a very very good Wyoming team and everything that that means with Wyoming. They're extremely adept at doing what they want to do, and they did it here. They took them to the deep end and they held them underwater. And it is. Um, it's really fun to watch. It's very different than everything else that you're going to see on a college football Saturday, the way that Wyoming wants to play. Once they hit 24, they were pretty much satisfied. That was, that was the number that they wanted to get here, and they just sat on it. And, you know, Fresno State makes this, this kind of meandering second-half comeback, but game comes down to it. you got to go down and score on these guys. It's hard to do. It's really hard to do, and they, they get a, uh, I think it was Cole Godbo who got the uh, the game-winning interception, the, the big-ass defensive tackle. Um, those guys are really good. This this front that they have is really, really good, and it is just hard to, it's hard to play against them. They're going to put you in the mud, and you have to try and work your way out of it, and Fresno State, for all of the firepower that it has, was not able to do that. You have to play 60 minutes against them, and they make it really, really hard to do that, especially in Laramie. It's not a fun place to play. No, no, it is not. Um, really impressed season so far from them, and I'm excited to see what they have cooking left because yeah. I think this is a team that is uh, is capable of doing a lot, man. I yeah. mean, they they I, should. I don't know. I haven't seen the eight people yet. They should be ranked this week. I don't know if they are. Um, I think they were very receiving. I think they're receiving votes, which is ridiculous. I they they're in mine. They're in my top twenty five that I submitted for for me at midfield. Um, yeah, I a good uh, a good Craig Bowl team is really really fun to watch. It is uh, it, it enjoyable to see what he wants to do on the football field. He's he's an antisocial guy, I would say, based on <laughs> based on the way that his teams play. He's uh, he's a nasty wily old man, and mm-hmm. uh, you don't want to you don't want to let him into your walls. That's that's just not he, not a good idea. Here's a fun stat that is true, okay. uh, but very disingenuous: is that Wyoming has the same number of wins mm. against teams that are five. 5- Hundred or better, uh, and the same loss by multi scores to a common opponent as Alabama does through six games. Okay, yeah, uh, I, I believe that fully. That's it's <laughs> not that's not just ingenuous. That's just that's just real. Um, that's uh, you can't argue with the numbers. Um, yeah, they're really good. They're really, really, really good. They are. I, I'm very impressed with what they've been able to do this season. 
Um, those lines are really good. The defensive line, especially, you see how important it was in this game. Um, I, yeah, there's just, I really, really like this program. I really like the way that they do things. It's a fun change up to have. I'm very excited to see them play against Air Force. I think that's going to be a banger. Um, looking forward to that one. Um, this one was not a banger. This was a blowout. This was uh, kind of, you know, not what we wanted to see, but something that we feared could happen in this game. This was one of the potential outcomes you could see here. Uh, Georgia 51, Kentucky 13, Devin Leary does not play well, and that's it. That's the whole deal here for Kentucky. Kentucky has no real passing attack, can't run the ball up the middle all that successfully at all, um, and Georgia is awake for the full 60 minutes and really just kicks the shit out, the, the shit out of them. Um, this was a, uh, a, a, you know, potential realized game for, for Georgia, and I don't know that this is necessarily reflective of what they're going to do for the rest of the season. This was, you know, in a, in a in a bubble though, they were up for this one and then some. They really, they were dominant. They were completely dominant. There's only so much you can say about it. They just kicked the shit out of them. It was it was it was not close. Uh, their starting offensive line, Georgia's, has allowed three sacks through six games. Hmm. Um, <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean Carson Beck is cooking. Uh, which is a phrase I hate to say out loud. Yeah. Uh, the dude has almost 1,900 yards on 73.5% completion uh, through the season so far. Yeah. Um, he's been awesome. Uh, he was really good in this game. I mean, Kentucky's defense is nasty, and uh, Georgia had a game plan for him, which I cannot believe I'm saying for Mike Bobo. And Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the whole thing worked, right? I, was, I, I think <laughs> that Kentucky also wildly disappointing here in in its execution of what it wanted to do the defense was for as nasty as it has been and 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 can be and i think will be probably again this season the defense played like shit in this game the defense was not good the the tackling was not good there were missed assignments on the back end they did not do what they needed to do at all i i think that that kentucky georgia certainly played a pretty big part in this and georgia went out and won the game kentucky also did not did not play well. Kentucky did not play the way that it is capable of playing. This was not impressive from from the Wildcats. They weren't ready for this. They just didn't really show up. No, lights are way too bright. I mean, just uh, this is kind of the game you're supposed to build towards as a program like this, right? You're trying yeah. to become a, a team that ascends beyond the level you've been. And to be clear, yeah. Stoops has already ascended them a level or two above what they ever were before him or had been in recent memory. Yeah. And um, But he just cannot take that next step to actually beat the big national yeah. powers. Um. I don't know. I mean, this is this is a really tough one to get up for that and, and have that game. And it's a pretty hard schedule the rest of the way, right? They still have, you know, Missouri, Tennessee, Alabama, and Louisville on the schedule. Yeah. Um, I'm not, they're not going to lose all those games, um, but they. Uh, it just feels like it's a, it's a really tough one to swallow. Yep. Um, this is a uh, yeah. This is one that will take some some recovering from. I think this is a really hard one to take for Kentucky, especially the way that they did it. Just, just we're not, like yeah. you said, you build for this one and they just have not been able to do that and take that next step. This has really been the last hurdle for Stoops uh, there. And he's just not, they're just not done it. They've, they've not been able to do it. And I don't know that they're going to honestly at, at, at this point, um, it is getting yeah. to the point where you kind of have to just assume that they're not going to be up for this game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. Um, speaking of teams who are not up for a big game, uh, USC barely survives against Arizona uh, over time. Uh, um, I, I barely want to talk about this. They are so fucking annoying. I'm so sick um, of these guys. I'm so sick this of this shit. so bad, dude. I mean, like, first of all, fuck Jed Fish. Yeah. Just absolutely coward. fuck Jed Fish. Oh, my um, God. What is it with these guys? Coward. 
<laughs> what is yeah. it with these guys? Just refusing, absolutely unwilling to go and be great. Unwilling to go and win a football game. Won't do it. No, I don't want to. I want to go into fucking triple overtime against USC on the road. What's wrong with you? What is the yeah, matter he didn't with know you? The rules. I don't. I really don't think he knew the rules. Yeah. Uh, because you can see, like, he on the second overtime uh, sends his kicking it out. Yep. Uh, when they are required to go for two, did not go for two in the first overtime. Um, why, if you have a chance to end the game, would you, and knowing you know your defense had been uh, pretty much disastrous in the second half, right? In the second half, they yeah uh, gave up two long touchdown drives, and then the defense was um, tired. I mean, the defense was just I I really don't I I wouldn't even fault them that much. It was just that they had been, they had been just about perfect in the first half, and they got tired because they don't have the depth of of you know talent needed to to play 60 minutes against this offense it's hard to do um they got tired and and, and putting them into the situation con- continuously that he put them in is really really just doing your guys a disservice a pretty serious one yeah yeah um i mean it, it's 100 yeah, this is a situation where the coach fed the players and he got got an incredible game uh out of their backup quarterback there uh noah fafita yeah. Uh, I thought Jonah Coleman played awesome. A lot of guys that offense played really well. Tedward McMillan had an awesome day. Uh, Jacob, Jacob Cowan, Cowan yeah, was made the best some player on the field. Made some big plays. Yeah. And he was hurt in the first half. He left the game and was in the locker room. Um, come, yeah. Comes back out and, and was fantastic down the stretch. Really kept them in the game and, and scored. He had two late touchdowns to, uh, I don't remember if it was just the overtime touchdowns it might have been, but he was excellent here. He had four, he had four fucking touchdown receptions on the game. Um, he's he's really really good the 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 receivers in general here were really good i thought noah fafita played really well given the circumstances he was much better than caleb williams which the you know everyone's every national guy seems to just ignore whenever caleb williams plays like shit um he played like shit he looked awful he 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 was not good against a bad defense and then he steps in at the end of the game and he makes you know a couple big plays and it's like oh he should win the heisman again shut the fuck up this kid sucks this kid sucks. This offense sucks. <laughs> this fucking program sucks. They're shitty. It is shitty all yeah. the way down. Ugh. He he had that two point conversion, a high school ass play called yeah. that, like putting the offensive line out wide to the left. What an incredible play! Uh, he just ran. He ran to the right, and they didn't tackle him. Cool. That's yeah. nothing. And, That's... Then, and then everyone everyone wants to celebrate. Like, oh man, what a crazy arm in that throw where he missed the two point conversion attempt. Yeah. I understand it was a hard play call, but I, I don't give a fuck, dude. Like, yeah. it's just he was also behind you... his receiver on the last drive that could have ended the game. Like, pretty well behind him, nearly through an interception. Yeah. Like he yep. he misses easy throws because he's not a structure quarterback. They haven't taught him how to play quarterback. He doesn't know how. No. Ugh. Yeah, it's very annoying. I. uh I can't stand watching USC. I am praying for the love of fucking God for Utah to just end this. Just end this. I think that several teams are going to end this in the next month. The schedule here for USC is not, we've talked about this several times, is not favorable over the next next half of the season here for them because they have, of course, uh, scheduled the most arrogant bye week of all time after, after the last week of the season. Um, so I, I, by the way, I want to point out here, I, I really don't owe them an apology, uh-huh. uh, but I was, uh, <laughs> I was wrong about this. Apparently their team canceled a game on them okay. and they tried to get a bye week during the season, but couldn't do it. So they had to take that one. Yeah. Uh, not my problem. Schedule. Yeah. Still fuck them. Yeah. Fuck them. None of my concern. Uh, um, schedule better. <laughs> not my, not my fault. Maybe you shouldn't have had your, uh, maybe you shouldn't have had some pervert in at AD. You should have had a full-time guy there instead of having to fire your AD during the, uh, 
during the off season. Um, just a nasty, nasty school. I hope it gets uh, just just uh, torn asunder. I, I really do. I hope that just the entire university falls into the fucking ocean. Um, nasty place. Nothing good coming out of that, that out of that uh, that school. Um, and the good news is they're going to lose a lot over the next month. I think they're probably going to lose four games in the next however many that they play. I think they have six left because um, they suck. Yeah. They suck at pretty much everything that they do. Uh, Arizona refused to go and win this game. Jed Fish sucks. Obviously, he's not. He's just not a not a good football coach. Not good in the moment. Not a good game planner. Um, they're just. It, it, it felt like several instances in this game for Arizona of just organizational mismanagement, like badly, <laughs> or you know, just just big mistakes. Things that you really can't have at this level. Not knowing the rules in overtime. Um, they were talking about. I was listening to the radio broadcast of this as I was driving home, and they were talking about after the missed. Uh, field goal late in this game. They they send the kid out for a 50-yard try. He's never hit from 50 before. He's hit from, I think, 48. And yeah, they have fourth and two. Yeah, they have, yeah they have like a fourth and two. Uh, game is tied. They send him out for, for what would be a career long uh, on the road <laughs> against a top 10 team, and he misses it. And I, I guess on the sidelines, on the radio broadcast, they were talking to the sideline reporter, and they were saying that like he was just, the kicker was on the sidelines after the miss just by himself, nobody talking to him. Nobody, you know, like trying to keep him locked in. Jedfish walking past him some several times and not looking at him. Um, what the fuck is wrong with you? What is your problem? You're a grown man. Um, <laughs> you sent this kid into a really bad situation and you got the exact result that you deserved. Who do you think you are trying to go? Just, just like trying to, you know, like, oh, you're the asshole, the, the, the kicker for missing it. Like you, you're a grown man. This is your team. You are the responsible party for this. You sent his ass out there. What, what are you doing trying to ice out your fucking kicker? You might need him again. What's wrong with you? Like, uh, just just, uh, just a, a really shittily run program. And, and you can see it in everything that they do. I think that the talent here is deserving of a lot better of what they are getting from the management of this team. The management is dog shit. The coaches are not good. They are not setting these guys up in a, in a position to succeed. And that is, this is the result you get. They should have won this game and they didn't do it. Yeah. They, um, they just don't care about football. They can really just not care about football. <laughs> he wants to play, he wants to play basketball on the field. Um, I don't respect him. I don't respect anyone involved. Yeah. Um, I think just, I, I hope that I, I wish the best for all of Arizona's players in their next uh, venture in college football. I hope that the next school that they land at treats them better than this one does. Um, because what a waste, what, what a waste of talent that they're, that they're, uh, they're putting on the field here this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, just an absolute bombshell. I mean, yeah. that, that's the lesson. <laughs> it's just an absolute, <sighs> every, every game these guys coach the bum fight. I, I just don't respect it. Um, no. Yeah, I I don't want to think about this game anymore. We'll we'll just we'll call it here. I, I, I don't want to guys. talk about them anymore. This pisses me <laughs> off too much. Uh, we'll do the uh, we'll do the premium episode tomorrow. I'm getting mad thinking about Jetfish again. I'm getting mad yeah. thinking about Lincoln Riley's little fucking pencil neck. Um, he will pay at some point. Ca- he will pay. Put, <laughs> put me in a cage, Lincoln Riley, for ten minutes. And see if he ever coaches the game again.